Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Talk Sports Game Day podcast with me, Sam Matterface, Talk Sports Alex Crook and former Charlton, Chelsea, West Ham and Benfica left back Scott Minto. Coming up, Newcastle secure Champions League after a goalless draw at home to Leicester. Result leapfrogs the Frox is above Leeds United and gives them a very small chance of survival heading into the final day. Was it right to go for a draw? Manchester City eased to a Premier League title once again. It's their third one in a row. Will it be as easy for them to lift the Champions League and the FA Cup? We'll discuss the possibility of a treble. Brighton secure European football. Congratulations to them. Fantastic. Europa League is going to be their destination next year. Can they keep hold of all their big hitters in the squad? And after a season to forget for Spurs, is Arnie the right man to fill the managerial slot? It's the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. Hello, one and all. Yes, Scott Minto is here. Hello. Good morning, Sam. How are you? I'll tell you what, it is great to see Crookie wearing that shirt today, isn't it? Oh, he's looking bright and bold in that Nottingham Forest jersey. Congratulations, Nottingham Forest. And he's fulfilling his forfeit. I had loads of messages about you over the weekend. Uh, please don't let him wear our shirt, they were saying. Uh, but look, <laughs> we, we had to force you into it. Look at you. You look so happy to be wearing it as well. You must be you know pleased what? next day. It, 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 I mean, it's a garish colour, but I actually think it's quite slimming, so I, I don't mind it. Garish, and it's not slimming either, mate. Sorry (laughs) to be the bearer of bad news. Does it take? Does it take six stone? Does it? Right. Okay. Let's uh, talk about Newcastle and Leicester City. What a great night for Newcastle United last night. Eddie Howe guiding them to the promised land of the Champions League. The first time in twenty years they got over the line with a draw. But I suppose the first question really is about Leicester City, isn't it? And about their approach to the game and why they decided to put 10 men behind the ball, not really attack and hit and hope really that they might get something on the breakaway. They didn't. And as a result of that, they find themselves in a situation that they are relying on Everton to drop points in their game against Bournemouth on Sunday. Everton at home, final day of the season, they need to win, win and they stay up. Leicester have gambled on the fact that they believe that Everton won't do that. That's why they approach the game like that, right? I'm not entirely sure that's the right philosophy. Uh, What did you boys think of it? It was an odd one. You know, (laughs) I got to the end of the game and I wasn't quite sure what I just watched. I mean, I guess if you're a Leicester fan, the big takeaway is, where's this kind of backs against the wall defensive solidarity been when they were leaking five goals at Fulham? Or getting battered by Liverpool, you know, if, if they'd shown that I said kind that of commitment in last night, I said I don't understand why they didn't employ this approach earlier. Agreed. If they'd shown that kind of commitment earlier in the season, arguably they wouldn't be in the trouble they are. I think Everton will beat Bournemouth at home on the last day, um, and therefore the calculated risk will backfire. I think they needed to show more intent to try and win the game. I get sitting in for the first twenty minutes, don't concede, silence the crowd. They did that, yeah, but. I'd have been fascinated to see what Dean Smith's response would have been had Newcastle scored one of those numerous chances. What would the game plan have been then? Well, that's that's what Danny Mills was saying during commentary last night. He was saying, I want Newcastle to score because I want to see what what Leicester City are going to do next because the game plan was completely just to sit back, not have any possession. I think they had something like 16% possession in the game and the one shot in the match. Now, Scott, if they stay up, it will be hailed as a genius move. But should... Everton just beat Bournemouth, it's an idiot move, right? Because if Leicester win this game last night, I'm not sh- saying that they're going to do that because Newcastle are a better team than them, right? And they've, over the course of the season, Newcastle have displayed that. They've beaten Manchester United at St. James's Park. They've beaten 
Um, loads of teams that are in decent form. Brighton at St James's Park. They've 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 dragged themselves from the depths of relegation a year ago into the Champions League. They're obviously a team in good form. They've won nine of the last twelve. However, right, if you don't try and win the game you could find yourself in a situation where it's all over for you, even if you do your job on the final day of the season. I just think it is a gamble. It's not a calculated risk. It really is a gamble. Right. You you won't be surprised to know that I'm going to try and play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Okay, go for it. Let's uh, see what we can test. Different angle. You know, uh, on the one hand, you're saying where's that defensive, you know, solidity and, and, and fight been. Yeah. But then you're asking them to attack. Hold on. on, It's almost like they're not... Let me explain that point straight away. Because if you had the defensive solidity, the last six games, you wouldn't be in a situation where you needed to go to Newcastle and attack. But they didn't play that way the last six games. Well, that's that, that, that's what I mean. Why didn't they do it? It's stupid. Well, then, but, well, then what are we saying? That James Madison should have been on the bench earlier? No, I'm saying that they should have shown that defensive rigidity earlier in the, in, in the uh, Premier League. Maybe he should have changed to a back five argument, earlier. His argument would be the back five plus three central midfielders. Yeah. Now you could have you you, you could have put uh, Madison instead of Ian Acher, but Vardy up front. Which is what they did at half. That, that five, yeah, that five three gave that solidity that he he felt he ha- hasn't been able to do. Right. So so what? It, listen, it's a massive gamble. It's a massive massive gamble, and I I I personally believe Everton will beat Bournemouth, and that Leicester will go down. But you're you're asking, you just you just. You, you really, in a snapshot, gave how good Newcastle are and at St James's Park as well against the Leicester side that has conceded eight goals in the previous two games. Totally get that. Now, are you really, are you really wanting them to try and attack and go forward? What they were hoping for was, I mean, that, that's the first clean sheet since before the World Cup. Yeah, and you can't be asking to score two goals at St James's Park to to, to win a game when you yeah. You really need it. Okay, it's a massive, massive, massive gamble. Okay. But what I would say is, it keeps them in the game right okay. now because now the pressure psychologically is on Everton. Says that we've now got to win because there's every chance Leicester could. But isn't the point this? You've waited too late. So because it's two games out from the end of the season, you don't have the luxury of being able to fall back on the gamble of trying to keep a clean sheet and nick one on the counter attack. Because that doesn't help you in terms of points to stay in the Premier League. If you had done this three, four, five games ago, then you may well have accumulated enough points so that when you went to Newcastle, you could quite happily have played this way. And if you've got a point, it's a major triumph for you. But because of the situation that you are in, needing the points on the board, three points behind Everton going into the game last night, one point actually only advances you a very small amount and doesn't really change the complexion too much. Because ultimately, even if they'd lost last night, right, their goal difference is set such, that, in terms of significance, that they could end up winning on the final day still and getting beyond less, uh, Everton because they've got a better goal difference than them. So I don't understand how they think it's the right decision to make at this time, bearing in mind... They haven't done that up until this point. They should have done it earlier if this was the way that they thought they were going to get the points on the board. Right. So, 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 absolutely. That just this one point against you there, and the rest I will agree with you. Psychologically, now with the pressure that Everton have been under all season, and they've buckled as at Goodison as well away, as away from home, they now are going into this game thinking we have to get all three points because there's every chance that Leicester can. But, but, Sam, I'm a hundred percent with you. Too little, too late, you know, because you're, you're still handing the power to somebody else. Whereas if they had done that a few games ago, and I was at the Fulham game, I was at the Cottage, yeah. and they were shocking, absolutely shocking. You know, so look, I'm with you. It's too late, but I understand why they did it at St. James's Park against the side that, you know, is going for Champions League football. Yeah, well, they got Champions League football and they uh, could have probably have secured it with a victory last night. It was only the, uh, the lucky charm of the goalpost that stopped them from scoring a number of goals last evening. I thought Everson had a very odd game. Mm. Kept coming and flapping for crosses. Didn't understand uh, what he was attempting to do at one point. You know, I would have thought that out of all things, you know that Kieran Trippier is going to fizz balls under your crossbar from set pieces. That's kind of what he's been doing all season. And he looked completely disorientated by the whole thing. It was very strange. Look, I actually think it would be good for... I want Leicester to stay up. I hate the fact that there is 
Premier League fairy tale, the team that aren't Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, that have won the Premier League, given everybody this great fairy tale, and then just, what is it, seven years later, they're going to end up being relegated uh, back to the Championship. I mean, it's just... Not the first time, though. Blackburn did it. Yeah, Blackburn Rovers did it as well. Yeah, slightly slightly different way of uh, things happening though, wasn't it? Because they sort of spent so much money that they were going to be challengers for, for the title. Whereas I don't really think we ever saw Leicester's title challenge coming. It was something that almost appeared out of nowhere. Anyway, let's get to the bottom of the table because uh, there's been some big games over the weekend uh, that may well define what happens going forward, including an absolute shellacking for Sam Allardyce. West Ham 3, Leeds United 1. Well, this was interesting, wasn't it? It was a chaotic game from start to finish. It was non-stop entertainment, but ultimately Sam Allardyce and Leeds United fluffed their lines. Once again, they threw away a lead from a winning position. That's 25 points dropped now from winning positions this season. Um, how much hope have they given themselves? Not enough. I commentated a game for 20 minutes. They were the dominant force. They got the goal they deserved. They looked like they could put a... Slightly rusty West Ham side under all kinds of pressure. But as soon as they conceded, they wilted. And that's a big problem for me in terms of the character in the dressing room. Because it's not the first time, you know, I also commentated the game against Palace when they managed to concede five goals, um, having dominated much of the match. So I think there's a there's a mindset issue. I did like a line from our colleague at the Athletic, Phil Hay, when Sam Allardyce picked up that fiver and tried to give it to the uh, the fourth official. Uh, Phil Hay said that's going to be the sum of his uh, survival bonus because it's not going to happen, is it? You know, I, I think they need too much to go in their favour and I'm not sure they've got the mentality to even get their own job done, to be honest. So they play Tottenham on that Sunday at 4.30, Scott. But prior to that, we've seen them lose Patrick Bamford and Rodrigo in this game to injury. Without those two, the goal threat diminishes and they've got absolutely no chance of keeping clean sheets. So it's just while well, they're playing Spurs then. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why well, was that last week? Look, absolutely. I mean, they're snookered, aren't they? They need a miracle. Um, I'm actually very sad to see if they, if they do go down because I, I loved covering them in the Championship when I was at Sky. It felt like a, a proper Premier League game and stadium. A great atmosphere. You know, but since Bielsa's gone, you know, we all know it's just 11 wins now. Um, I think that win at Anfield that kept Jesse Marsh in the job looking back, you know, was obviously not good. And what is Big Sam meant to do? You know, he's literally turning around again. We talk about Frank Lampard before turning around a Titanic. My goodness me, Sam coming in. So difficult. And he's telling them what to do. And they're not doing it. They're already in that mental rut, mental and physical rut. I'm surprised to hear they say that, they don't seem fit because I think Leeds United have, have, have always been fit, even under Jesse Marsh. And certainly, Luke under Kaling said that. Didn't I think he? it's more he of a mental. That, um, he, he didn't feel as if that fitness was there anymore. And I think it's a really interesting point, actually, because basically what Leeds United were were they were a group of committed individuals rather than talented quality players that worked harder than everybody else and would outrun every team in the Premier League. And because of the murderable sessions and the double sessions and triple sessions. They would be into a, a point of the season where everybody else was starting to tire and they could still go. And that was the good thing about them, right? Now, without that fitness, you've got a collection of players that aren't of the requisite quality but don't have that extra special ingredient which was given to them by Marcelo Bielsa, which was that fitness. And now they haven't got that edge over any of those teams. So where they would score those late goals and get back into games because they had that extra little kick towards the end of a match... That's gone. But so much else has gone as well. You know, there's no tactical discipline there. It's incredibly chaotic. Um, I I heard Sam Allardyce very pointedly say there wasn't a centre-forward on the bench, but actually forgot that he was sitting next to £35 million Jorginho (laughs) Ruter. Maybe that's because he's seen him play. Um, I don't know. Um, But it's just, it's it's absolutely, it's it's chaotic, isn't it? And behind the scenes, Andrea Radrazani is trying to complete a deal for Sampdoria. It looks as if, (laughs) that means that the club is going to be taken over regardless by the 49ers. I mean, haven't Sampdoria just been relegated and been totally useless in Serie A? It's not a great recipe for him to go in there either, but we'll see where Victor Orta um, turns up next. Maybe he'll be in Serie B too. Um, 
what 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 about West Ham United though? A goal for Declan Rice, your old club, Scott, and it was probably his farewell performance at mm. the London Stadium. And what a performance it was! Look, we talked about him in the Man U game, and and Man U the first twenty minutes I thought were very very good, and and we we'd spoken pre match and said about how we believe that Declan Rice, or I believe Declan Rice is a sensational player. And he's got to somehow now turn it around. But as I said it, I thought, how's he going to do that on his own? But he practically did. And then he steps up here and and again, just scores. And I think West Ham fans know a bit like, you know, if, if Harry Kane does leave Spurs, they'd be okay with it. They'd understand it because you've got a, a Champions League player who for me is bordering on world-class. He's not quite there yet. But if you give him... I, I also think, you know, you say about, or you might ask, where would he go? I think he's good enough to go absolutely anywhere. And I include Manchester City in that. I don't think City will come in for him. But I think he would do a very good job in in whether he'd be one of the holders or whether he'd be one of the sort of box-to-box, the number eight. He, he's he's a fantastic player. I now feel, as, as sad as it is to say, and, and hopefully his last game will be winning a European trophy and holding that above him for West Ham. He, he, he needs to move on. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers won Everton, won a 99th minute goal for Everton by Yerry Mina. Might not prove to be pivotal, but it could be a huge moment for them. Um, good news, the club continues to be on the cusp of a £600 million takeover from American Fund MSB Sports Capital. They need an injection of cash. They need a new direction. That needs to happen. But before all that goes through, they've got to try and stay in the Premier League. Now, I think the common wisdom is is that we look at them and we all think that they will do because they've shown that energy and fight that Sean Dyche has been talking about for so long. And they've probably showed that more often than Leicester, more often than Leeds United, really. But ultimately, this is a club that should never be in this situation, Crook. They should never have been scrapping around at the bottom of the table. It's happened far too often, but it's happened because of mismanagement, not because of the fact that this is a club with bad players and it's not happened because of a lack of ambition either. You know, you get two types of, of owners, don't you? You get the ones who who reach for the stars and you get the ones who are happy just to tread water. I think Farhad Mashiri has reached for the stars, uh, but he's come crashing back down to earth very quickly. Um, this is this is going to be a, a high-pressure situation and Dominic Calvert-Lewin hobbling off against Wolves is a problem uh, because if they yeah. don't have that focal point in attack, Bournemouth have enough weapons on the counter to cause Everton problems. So I think his fitness is going to be absolutely key. Bournemouth have lost their last three games. We both know that Gary O'Neill won't want to end the season with four successive defeats because then there becomes a danger that a poor start to one season limps into a bad start to the next. And also, there's an irony here because when Bournemouth were relegated from the Premier League, they were relegated at Goodison Park. Um, obviously they've got some survivors from that team, so maybe their eyes will be on revenge. But if you look at the social media feed, there's a real animosity between Bournemouth and Leeds. I won't bore you with too many details, but it goes back to a Boxing Day game way back when uh, when the Leeds fans basically trashed the city centre. Bournemouth, as a result of that, weren't allowed to play on Boxing it, Day for a number Boxing of years. Day? There's a lot of Bournemouth Boxing fans who are happy holiday, to wave the white it? flag here and send Leeds down. Yeah, it was, it was. It was. It went on for years. This they trashed the town. It was when Harry Redknapp was the manager. In fact, and they trashed the town. Leeds United during the eighties, and and Bournemouth weren't allowed to play. I thought it was on a bank holiday. It was a sunny bank holiday, and then they it sort was. of uh, had this big, big sort of uh, ban. Then that they could never play on a bank holiday ever again, uh, and that that that's only just changed. Um, so you're right, there is animosity. So, but Bournemouth might just sit there and roll over and allow Everton to win, just so Leeds go down. You never know. Um, but so the situation is like this: Everton play Bournemouth four thirty on Sunday. If Everton win, they stay up, and Leeds and Leicester go down. Um, if Everton drop points, then Leicester can leapfrog above them. If they beat West Ham United, Leeds need Everton to lose. They need Leicester to at least draw or lose, and they need to beat Tottenham in order to stay in the Premier League. Good luck with that one, Big Sam. You'll need more than finding a fiver on the floor in order to escape this little <laughs> trap, I think. Um, Sean Dyche will stay on, though, won't he, Crook? Yeah, I'd have thought so. Um, I, I was going to ask you about Big Sam, actually, um, because yeah. I think he's done okay 
in a short period of time. I don't think he could have done an awful lot more, to be honest. The reason they're losing games is not because of his tactics, it's because of the individual errors that have, that have been there for a long time. If Leeds go down, how would their fans feel about someone who's got a proven track record of taking a team up from the Championship staying on? Would he want to stay on? I think, I think he probably he, would. I think he does. Yeah. I think he does want to stay on. I think from what I'm hearing from him, he sounds like a man who wants to stay on. He's got a, an idea of how he can rebuild the club. But he's talked about that with the owners and tried to point it out. But it's different owners. It's going to be completely different people when it comes to the summer. So it'd be interesting. And that's also the case at Everton. You've mentioned ahead. the takeover. They're, they're going to want to have a say on Sean Dyche's future, aren't they? These new owners. Yeah. Just, just, on, just on Big Sam... Um, I, I get the feeling, in fact, I'm getting a message from a certain uh, Leeds fan as well, uh, that it's a no. <laughs> um, but that's obviously only one person. We know who that person is. Is that our producer? Um, He's swearing. Why don't, we, why don't we bring him in? Oh, we can't. We're in vision and we can't release him in Cambry. He had a late night last night. No, we no, can't no, possibly no, do no, that. No, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, but what I would say is, again, you know, coming in and being a caretaker manager is different to being a manager. A permanent manager now. Big Sam has done it. He knows he can. He, he's he knows the ropes. It's what Leeds hierarchy want. You know, coupled with you do need the the fans on board. You you can't get someone who is going to be toxic earlier on in the season. But Sean Dyche for me, I just think he's a brilliant fit for Everton. So I really hope that even the new owners come in. Quite often they do want their own man. I just think. I just think mentally he's got he's, he gets the Everton, Evertonians and, and I hope he stays there for a, period, a long period of time. Is there a suggestion that with Sam Allardyce, what might be a good idea is to keep him on for next year and have someone alongside him who's going to eventually take over as the, the, the boss, a coach who works sort of under him and almost he mentors that person. There's a slower transition so that ultimately if he does take them up into the Premier League, that person's ready for it in a couple of years' time. Is that a, a better way of doing it rather than trying to go around, find someone to drag you out of the championship. I mean, Leeds' priority is going to have to be getting out of the championship, but that's going to be Leicester's priority. It's going to be Southampton's priority as well. And there are other teams down there that have been there for a while. We know the course and distance. Middlesbrough obviously having a go as well. And a few other teams that will fancy their chances of trying to get uh, up into, into the top flight. It's going to be a very competitive division next year. So surely an old head might be a better navigator than some young buck that they bring in from the continent or from elsewhere. I think you're right. And I don't see at this stage who you're going to get who's got more of a chance of taking Leeds out of the championship than Sam Allardyce. It's interesting, actually, that uh, our Leeds supporting producer has already poured cold water over that. I do think there's a snobbery with Leeds fans when it comes to their managers. And it's this this cult of Bielsa. I've mentioned it on TalkSport earlier in the season. It's almost like you've come out of a marriage, but you can't let the ex go. Part of Leeds' problem is because the fans, I think some of the players as well, they're still clinging on to Bielsa. He isn't going to remarry you. He's moved on. Okay, forget about that. And forget about playing Bielsa ball in the championship. Just get a manager who's going to get you out of the division. Because if I'm not mistaken, last time you went down, you were there for 16 years. All right, okay. You were speaking from experience there. (laughs) No. Someone test his blood pressure. <laughs> a little bit animated. Your blood pressure I'm worried about. I'm even more worried about uh, Jeremy, the producer, who just keeps sending words uh, in our WhatsApp group in big capital letters. Oh, he's gone bold now as well. This is, <laughs> this is lighting a few fires under Leeds United fans. If you are a Leeds United fan that wants Sam Allardyce to stay, then tweet us. It's at Sam Matterface or at Alex underscore Crook or at I am Scott Minto. Um, okay. Um, I've told you, don't bother doing that. I've told you, yeah, don't bother doing yeah, that. Just right. Well, he's too big time words. to reply. Just tweet him anyway. Yeah, he's, um, that's, that, he's a bit of a superstar. Sorry, we got somebody no, else to do my so social media. That's so not true. Uh, it won't be me. I just, I, I'm just not a social media like you two. <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure you can say that. That may well have had to have been bleeped out. Um, okay, we'll do it if so. <laughs> Nottingham Forest 1, Arsenal 0. Nottingham Forest secure safety for another Premier League uh, season after a victory over Arsenal by a goal to nil. Taiwo Wanyi with that strike. And what a great end to the season he has had. And as a result of that victory for Nottingham Forest, that meant that uh, Arsenal couldn't win the league anymore. Manchester City were champions without even kicking a ball. Now, when you bear in mind they've signed 30 new players this season, Steve Cooper's been sort of dodging the bullet over the course of the whole season. I think he obviously deserves a lot of credit. We made Crook wear a Tricky Trees shirt uh, just because he would not have the faith. He didn't have the faith in the Tricky Trees. Whereas uh, Scott and I were really 
revving up our support for Steve Cooper, who's a brilliant coach. Do you know what, Sam? I, I didn't think that they would do it. I'll be I, honest. I know. I know uh, you didn't. And, no one uh, did. There's only one, no, there's one fair, lone fair. outrider here. One lone broadcaster who, who kept on saying it all the time, but he was right in the end. Look, I, I still think it, you know that game that you de- de- defined it on was a was not the game that kept them up in terms of you know it was against Liverpool. It was, yeah. it was the teams around them. It was recent games, recent wins that they've yeah. done it, and that's where Steve Cooper and Gary O'Neill needs so much credit because when the pressure's really on, they found a way to win and they got their players in a mental psychological state where. They're not scared by the fear of failure. And, we, you know, we've seen big clubs in Leicester and Leeds and Everton struggling to deal with that pressure, whereas Steve Cooper's done a great job. Do you know what? It was that game that made me think they would do it, but not because of the result, right? I was lucky that day. I went to the ground early. I saw Steve. He invited me in. We sat down. We talked about the game plan. And he explained to me how they were going to play that day. He, he went into real detail about what they were going to do to stop Trent Alexander getting on the ball, what they were going to do when they didn't have the ball, and then what they were going to do when they won it back and how they were going to progress. Because one of the criticisms of them at that stage of the season was that they were defending quite deep and they were keeping teams at arm's length and not conceding that many goals, but they were never, ever threatening at the other end. So as soon as they conceded one goal, the game was over. And he said, basically, what we're going to do is, is we're going to stay in shape, try and win the ball. We're going to shut down the passing lanes. And then when we nick the ball, we're going to have the confidence to play. We've got to have the confidence to play. So as soon as we turn it over, we've got to be able to play the next two, three passes and move up the pitch. Because if we don't do that, we've got no chance in this league. We have to have the confidence to play. There was a lot more tactical discussion than just that. I've tried to boil that down into a short sentence. But because of the fact that he had explained the whole system to me, and then I'd watched it unfold in front of my eyes, I thought... Hold on, if he's convinced me that they can do this and then beat Liverpool and it happens exactly the way he's suggested, then he must be able to convince these players. And if he can cajole that huge group and distill it into one that he can use, then he's got every chance. And the football they played on that day was was excellent because they they did beat the, the Liverpool press and then they did play and they did score goals. And actually, they could have scored one or two more during that match too. So that's why... Um, and I just think he's a brilliant communicator. I just I think he's great with players. I think he's obviously very well versed in the game. He's a new type of coach, and everything's collegiate. They discuss things. He brings everybody with him. It's different to the old school, that's sure. He's definitely not Brian Clough, but he is. Uh, yeah, he's 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 carried that club along, and he's 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 got a great chance of making a big name for himself, Steve Cooper. Yeah, and he's on the radar of other clubs as well, isn't he? So Forrest will obviously hope that he'll stay. I think he will now that they've stayed up in the Premier League. And I think you have to praise him for, for his part in their recruitment as well because their best player and one of the best signings of the season for me has been Morgan Gibbs-White. And we know that was very much a, a move that was led by Steve Cooper because he knew him from Swansea and he knew him from younger England age groups. I like Danilo in, in midfield as well. I think Navas has made a big difference in terms of presence. Looks like he's going to leave at the end of his loan. They're trying to sign Dean Henderson on a permanent basis. I'm still not entirely convinced that Dean Henderson is quite as good a goalkeeper as he thinks he is. But I think the foundations are there to have a really good go at it again next season. There we go. Another obliteration from Crook to a professional footballer who plays in the Premier League week in, week out when he's fit. Um, Tywell one is another one. Nico Williams, another one. Two players that made great contributions but were in the youth academy at uh, Liverpool when Steve was working yeah. there. So, you know, again, he's he's had a lot of input into some of the recruitment decisions, not so much in others. <laughs> so um, I think balancing that and managing upwards has been a real sort of terrific feat for him. Well, that win for uh, Forrest secured a fifth a win in the Premier League in six seasons for Manchester City. Um, are we looking at the best Premier League side in history? We'll discuss them next. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Erling Haaland has arrived in the Premier League and Manchester City's title defence is off to a perfect start. So he does seem to revolutionise football every season, Pep Guardiola. If you want to fight for the title at the end, you have to make an incredible run to win, otherwise it will not be possible. Haaland is on a run, he's got three Wolves players around him, not that that bothers him, gets it onto his right foot, strikes down low and in! City look as though they could be all conquering. Grealish onto De Bruyne, down the left, back into Grealish, it's 4-1! Haaland will get applauded, De Bruyne might get the assist, but watching Jack Grealish praise everywhere. The Viking. The conqueror, Erling Haaland. I think he'll break records regularly. I just do. I think he'll become a better player under Pep. Haaland to the air, chips the goalkeeper. Goal 51 and a Premier League record. We seem to kick on in the business end of the season. Manchester City, with a stroke of strength, have beaten Arsenal by four goals to one. Now it is Gundogan as expected, and it's into the top corner. The treble gets ever closer. It's just fantastic. And they've never relented under Pep Guardiola. And I think he doesn't get credit for that enough. 11 or 12 games in Premier League, I don't know, winning, winning, winning. That helped us to be there. Kai Gundogan picks up the Premier League trophy. We know that the blue moon isn't rising. It's now the dominant force on the Premier League horizon. Well, they were champions without kicking a ball. I was there on Sunday afternoon and I must admit, I thought their performance on Sunday was second gear. But then again, they played a second team and they were playing a second-rate opposition. Uh, they beat Chelsea by a goal to nil. Uh, Raheem Sterling had a couple of good chances, couldn't finish them off. That's Chelsea's season uh, in a nutshell. And to be honest with you, it was just a matter of time before they made the breakthrough. It didn't take too long for Julian Alvarez to do just that. What a terrific um, headline act in the B team he is, by the way. Uh, Julian Alvarez, 17 goals for the season. If we'd bought a striker, Chelsea had bought a striker, right? And they'd scored 17 goals this season. We'd probably build a statue outside Stamford Bridge. <laughs> the fact that they've they've bought Julian Alvarez as a second striker and he's got 17. I mean, it's just, it's beyond compare, Scott. Do, do you know what? It's incredible to think that Erling Haaland has scored all his goals and then you come out with that. The second striker has still got 17, you know, very nearly on, on 20. And, and and who knows, may, may well make 20. I think it just shows again just how good that, that guy called Pep Guardiola is. You know, uh, I've said what I've said about him all season. I think he's the best. I, I think we'll look back eventually and say he will be the very best. And I've been saying this actually for years. Um, when I covered the Spanish football, I was gutted when he left Barcelona. I really wanted to see Pep and cover Pep Guardiola's Barcelona week in, week out. So that everything about that club, you know, is is set up in the right direction. And Pep Guardiola was, you know, years before with with the um, the CEO and uh, the sporting director, all brought in with the view of bringing in Pep Guardiola because they knew how good he was. And um... and dominance. The view was dominance and they've certainly dominated, haven't they? I mean, I, I said this when they lifted the trophy, you know, it is the dominant force on the Premier League landscape now. You know, they are, they are in control of this league. How do we wrestle it back from them, Crook? Very difficult, um, you know, because... 
again, we have to address the FFP situation, but I think, you know, Alvarez is a prime example of where actually it's not all about the money. It's about good recruitment. It's about good coaching, the way that Guardiola has changed the style of play to accommodate Haaland and what he's done with John Stones this season. He just finds new ways of managing to win trophies. Arsenal spent so many nights top of the table, but ultimately they're going to finish, what, 10 points behind the champions? Um, Liverpool have run them close a couple of times, still not managed to get over the line on those occasions. So who do you see coming out of the pack? You know, Manchester United got this takeover situation, how much money are they going to have to spend in the summer? I don't think Arsenal will be quite as good next season as they have been this. I think they've been beneficiaries of circumstances coming their way. Maybe Pochettino at Chelsea, but I think they're probably a couple of transfer windows away from really being title challengers. Liverpool are going to rebuild. I, I, I think City will probably be even more dominant next season. Do you know what? I, I think I think if Jurgen Klopp was given you know a, a, a blank cheque, I think there'd be half a chance there. Let's not pretend that he hasn't spent any money. He's bought Gakpo, Diaz and Nunez in the last three transfers. Yeah, but, uh, you know, and I think forward-wise, they're, they're sorted. I think midfield, we clearly know he's out the race of Jude Bellingham. We'll see whether he gets McAllister. We'll see whether he's been given the money again, maybe another centre-half. Um, but I, I just look at everybody else and I don't see anyone at this moment in time making the step up. The only thing is, is that, and again, I've said before about, I, I said um, a few months ago with Hugh Wisencroft that it's not until Pep goes that w- will they come back into the pack. But to do this year after year after year after year, look, it's only the fourth time ever one team has won three consecutive top flight English trophies, uh, titles. So they'd be the, the first team ever to do it if they make it a fourth consecutive. That's really difficult to do, especially off the back if they do get a treble. I mean, you know, Liverpool were two games away from the quadruple and look how they fell through the floor after after that last season. I'm not saying that's going to happen with City. I just think that to go again is going to be really, really hard. So we'll have to see what happens. The others need to get up, but I do think City will come a little bit down, especially if they do win the treble. Uh, yeah, and the, and the treble is certainly uh, Pep Guardiola's focus. He says it's important to stay focused on the Champions League despite the title celebrations. No, I think they know it. The feeling I have, the luck I have, they win five Premier Leagues and still we have uh, the Champions League to uh, uh, have fun all that period here. We won a lot. Cannot deny it. There is a part that sometimes can be unfair for the fact you have to win the Champions League to give credit or value what you have done. But you have to accept it. And I think it's good. So, for a long time ago, because I said many times the people didn't call me here to say you have to win the Champions League but after we have done I know we're not complete if I don't win the Champions League we don't win the Champions League so and sometimes play with this pressure is so nice it's necessary so we 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 talk each other a lot so we have to, we have to do it but in the same time if we are not able to do it if the team continue the club continue this way Sooner or later, we'll do it. But once we are there, so we have here, so we have to to try it. Pep wasn't in the uh, the the most uh, sort of generous mood on Sunday. He just wanted to get on with the job. He's got things to focus on uh, in terms of the FA Cup final and the Champions League final to plot for as well. They'll sign someone in the summer as they always do. But the uh, rumours are they might now keep hold of Ilkay Gundogan after uh, Arsenal sort of started to float the possibility that he could go there. Arsenal linked with a couple of midfielders. Uh, Chelsea still looking for a uh, number nine. Someone sent me this earlier on. We talked about goals and Julian Alvarez. Someone sent me this earlier on. The curse of Chelsea's number nine. These are Chelsea's number nines over the last 10, 15 years. In fact, going further than that, 20 years. 1999, Chris Sutton, 39 goals. 39 games, 39 goals, we will wish. 39 games, one goal. Kesman, 41 games, seven goals. Kali Bularuz, he was a defender, but he wore number nine, it's not fair. Steve Sidwell, again, same <laughs> thing. Uh, Franco De Santo, 16 games, zero goals. Fernando Torres, 172 games, 45 goals. That's like one in four. Radamel Falcao, 12 games, one goal. Morata, 48-15. Higuain, 18 games, five goals. Romelu Lukaku, 44-15. I mean, they conveniently missed out Idega Johnson and Jimmy Floyd Hasselbeck there, but also 
Yeah, Luigi Casaragi, who didn't work out either. Uh, or Andrei Shevchenko, who, funnily enough, didn't work out either. They weren't actually number nines, though. Um, look, it's been a terrible season for Chelsea, and they've just got to lick their wounds and go again. And Manchester United fans are all doing the old social media campaigning bit, Crook. Could you explain this to me about the uh, idea of trying to get Erling Haaland banned from the FA Cup final? <laughs> well, um, basically it was because he swore in a television television interview and he declared his undying love for Jack Grealish using an expletive and I think Wayne Ban Rooney him. was banned. Ban him. Wayne Rooney was banned by the FA because he swore um, into a TV camera. Listen, I don't think it will happen. It was ridiculous at the time with Rooney. It'll be ridiculous at the time now. Just on Chelsea's number nine, keep an eye on Victor Ossiment. I'm told he's the one that they're really keen on this summer. Great. Let's see if we can ruin him as well, poor lad. <laughs> Had a bright future. He would be my number one choice. Harry Kane's not going there, so he would be my number one choice. <clears throat> oh, poor fella. It was going so well for him. Uh, up next for Manchester City, a trip to the seaside to take on Brighton, who confirmed European football for the first time in their history. And Brighton in Europe. And it's going to be the Europa League. I mean, lots of people sort of getting confused here. They have qualified for the, the, the Conference League. That's done. But ultimately, if they finish in six, they'll qualify for the Europa League because of the fact that the Cup winners are both already finishing above them. Now, they are going to finish in six because of their absolutely amazing goal difference. Unless Manchester City beat them 10-0 in midweek and then Aston Villa beat them 7-0 on Sunday. If that happens, then there's a chance they might just get into the Conference League. But it ain't going to happen. So they're going to be in the Europa League. And how big an achievement is that, Scott? It's it's just amazing. I mean, it's just incredible. I'm sure I played for Rotherham against Brighton at the Whitting. And I um, was certainly involved in it. And, uh, you know, how far they've come is nothing short of sensational. The foot, and it's not just in terms of results, it's in terms of style of football. And look, we, we've talked about it a long time. It all comes from the owner. And I, and I hear that the owner actually does have a little bit of a say in terms of recruitment because he, he, he knows a lot of stats. Who's, yeah, exactly. Um, whereas most owners perhaps shouldn't. Um, he does and is absolutely spot on with that. Then you've got a fantastic CEO and then you've got everything set up. So manager goes, new manager comes in, Deserby takes it to another level. I love his attitude about, you know, qualified for Europa Conference, but that's not what we want. We want Europa League. My worry is for Brighton, what's going to happen for them in the summer in terms of going as well as coming in? You know, can they crack on? Because I actually think Deserby is one of those managers. And you look, you look at there's reasons why he hasn't stayed at clubs for so long, but Actually, there's a lot of clubs where he hasn't stayed for so long. So I just wonder where he's one of those. If he's not happy, he'll create certain situations. And if he's not getting the, the players that he wants to, to kick on, we'll see. But look, let's not be negative about that. They've been sensational. They really have. Yeah, the squad's going to be picked apart, though, uh, Crook, isn't it? Uh, picked apart's a bit strong. I think they're planning for the departures of Alexis McAllister. Liverpool looks most likely, although... No agreement has been reached yet. And probably Moises Caicedo as well, still very much on Arsenal's hit list. But there's already players coming in. João Pedro has been signed to come and add to their attack. I think James Milner is pretty much done. Uh, De Hood, German international at Borussia Dortmund, will happen as well. And another player that uh, is obviously known to Deserbi at Sassuolo, Davide Fratesi, is I think probably the, the likely replacement for Caicedo. He's a holding midfielder. And, and there's strong interest from Brighton in him. So they will regenerate. I think Deserby will give them at least one more year. Brighton are well aware of his habit, as Graham soon has pointed out, for not staying anywhere for too long. So they'll have a plan in place because I think probably at the end of next season, they will face a bit of a fight to keep him. But I think he's committed at least yeah. for next year. And he did turn around and say straight after the game on Sunday that, uh, you know, this is all great. And Tony is, a, is, is the number one fan of uh, Brighton. But uh, now is the time to he show did. us what we really mean. We need to do this. We need to do that. We have to do this. We have to do it. It was tub thumping as if he was sort of challenging the owner to match his ambition, which I thought was, was quite interesting. Um, talking of ambition, what Spurs ambition? Uh, they were beaten at home by Brentford by three goals to one. 
Um, their chances of being in Europe look slimmer and slimmer and slimmer by the day. Another home defeat, booed off by the fans again. Uh, they were pretty good in the first half. They should have been two or three up in the match. In the second half, they were nothing short of abysmal once uh, Brian and Burmo scored the goal. Passive, insipid, sat off. Scott and I were both at this game. And i got to be honest with you, Scott, I thought they were pathetic second half. They were. It's normally the other way around, isn't it? Yeah. Rubbish first half and decent second half. But this time, it, you know, they should have put the game to bed. They were good in the first half and they did create enough chances to make it two, if, if not three. But yeah, the, the reaction, you knew that Brentford would come out. And I said at half time, you know, I think I think Ryan Mason should be the one not happy with his scoreline because you get the feeling Brentford will come at them. And then suddenly, bang, bang, two goals. And you're right, it wasn't until the last five minutes where they did create some chances that, that they looked like they were going to do it. And, and the fans, I really feel for the fans so much. They wanted to get behind the team. They even stuck with the team at 2-1 as well. But, you know, oh my goodness me. I mean, again, where do we go with this? If you still haven't got your manager, it looks like it could be slot. But you need to get someone in, at least make an appointment. Because as bad as Chelsea have been this season, at least they know where they're going going forward. Yeah. Tottenham is just like new manager being linked and then he's, he's distancing himself. So let's get slot announced and then at least they can move forward that way. And what about Harry Kane? Because at the end of the game, he sort of went around waving to everybody. Was that just a traditional end of season lap of dishonour? Or was it um, actually time to say goodbye? Well, only Harry Kane knows the answer. Um, we, we mentioned on the boot room on Sunday that Clive Allen, who obviously is fairly close to the situation, suggested that maybe there was an agreement that he would stay until the end of his contract and then become available on a free transfer. I think that would be a wasted year for, for Harry Kane. I think this season proves to him that Tottenham are a long way from challenging for major honours. Maybe. But, I mean, obviously, he's had a great season. He's yeah. got 28 Premier League goals, 30 goals in all competitions. He's still been brilliant. I mean, and they're still going to miss out on Europe. What does that tell you if you're Harry Kane? Well, it tells you that the team around you are badly organised. I mean, it tells it tells you what we all know, which is that Spurs are an absolute mess. But I mean, that's not his fault, is it? I mean, he can only no. do what he wants to do, and if it's his boyhood club, no, it, it, and he's he he loves that team, and he's got the chance to be the captain from now on because Hugo Lloris is going to leave. Shouldn't he stick around and, and be a part of the rebuild? I don't know. Is that is that, is that a possibility? No, no I, I, I listen, I don't think he should. And it's purely his love for the club that is keeping him. Although saying that, actually, who can Daniel... I think politically speaking, Daniel Levy can't afford to sell Harry Kane. He cannot afford, to, unless it's a real bang, there's a £100 million on a guy who's going to be 30 and one year left in his contract. Look, fans, we can't turn this one down. He cannot afford to be seen to be selling their one positive thing that they have at the club. And from Harry Kane's point of view, you've just scored 27, 28 Premier League goals in a team that's not particularly good. You've just seen Erling Haaland scoring lots more goals in a team that is very good. And he's not going abroad. He wants the Premier League record. I think he'd have more chance of a Premier League record if he went to another club that's going, say, a Manchester United or he's not going to go to Arsenal or Chelsea, but United really is probably the only one. So he can still tick all those boxes and win trophies. I, I, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's about his love for Spurs and that one-year contract. Crook was quite scathing of him on the boot room on Sunday night, basically suggesting that he lacked ambition if he stayed, if he stayed. at Spurs. I, I, I want to take issue with that because... What you're basically saying is is that you have to go to one of these big super clubs and win medals, otherwise your career isn't fulfilled. I think it, when you're growing up as a footballer, if you're a massive Tottenham fan and you are Tottenham's top scorer for 10 years in a row, you win player of the year, you're golden boot winner, you get to a final with England, you get to a couple of finals with, with Spurs, you, you challenge, you're playing in the Champions League. A lot of your dreams are already fulfilled. Yeah, okay, so he hasn't got that one big medal round his neck. But if you're a dreamer and you love Tottenham Hotspur, surely the idea of being at the fulcrum of eventually getting Spurs that trophy is bigger than going off and, and getting one at Manchester City. Everyone can go to Manchester City and win a, a title. Or everyone can go to, to you know the next club and win a you know an FA Cup or a, or, a, or a Carabao Cup. To win it with Tottenham would mean so much more to him. And that may be his ambition. I get that if there was any signs that Tottenham were capable of challenging for honours. And I think this season, more than any other, 
should illustrate to Harry Kane that isn't that isn't going to happen. Years ago, they're in the Carabao Cup final. Yeah, yeah, but but this season's been a disaster. They lost in the FA Cup to Sheffield United. This season's been a disaster. It's been a disaster for Chelsea. Last year was a disaster for Manchester United. They won two, got won a trophy in two finals this year. Got into the top four. You know, anything can change. Every now and again, there's a season that's a disaster. Just accept it. <laughs> Have I played devil's advocate? All right, there, Scott. Did I, did I try my hardest? <laughs> Where's the popcorn? <laughs> I, 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 listen, Sam. It, it, you, you do a very good job of trying to play devil's advocate, but I, I'm, I'm no. You know, it's season after season after season that's happening for Spurs. And the Spurs fans even get it. They even understand if Harry They're telling Kane, him to go. They, they, they say that now. They do. do they say that now? They do. But actually, when it happens, no, no, they, 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 they would be absolutely gutted to see Harry Kane in another, wearing another shirt. But they would completely understand it. From Harry Kane's point of view, he can tick all the goal-scoring boxes. He's already a Spurs legend. He should always already have that statue outside set up for it sometime in the future. And he can get a few medals around his... Um, Around his neck. Stuart Pierce said uh, on uh, Saturday, I said to him, what do you think he should do next? And he said, I think for Harry's own career, he should try something new now. And I just thought, Stuart's quite sort of sit on the fence. He's not going to come out with big, bold statements, but one former England captain telling a current England captain, probably time to move on now, fella, was quite sort of sage advice and, and, and quite a big moment, I thought. So did he basically say, Piercy, I agree with Crookie and Sam's talking nonsense? Is what you're saying? Um, <laughs> I, I don't think Piercy's ever said that. Um, <laughs> and if he'd found out that you had suggested it, he would probably distance himself from those comments. <laughs> uh, Manchester United Chelsea's Thursday night. That's live on TalkSport as well. And then over the weekend, we've got loads of playoff drama for you. And of course, the final day of the Premier League season. We're back on Thursday afternoon. Uh, the podcast available to download from Thursday afternoon when you'll be able to get a full preview to all the weekend's action. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.